Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome friends to another r slash malicious compliance video. You only need to comply to things you want to comply to, and it sure would be great if you wanted to comply to pressing those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Sweet Sophie Brown. Tell your boss you're quitting. This isn't my story but my mother's. She passed recently at the age of 89, and my sister and I were reminiscing. This is one of our favorite stories involving our mother. My brother called her V because her first name begins with a V, so I'll refer to her as V. This happened many years ago, about the time I graduated from high school. V had taken a job, her first since she and my dad got married, in a public kindergarten. Now, my dad was always a bit of a bully, especially towards my mother. My dad was not a nice person, and that's a whole story in itself. V had survived ovarian cancer at the age of 33, so she was probably about 38 or 39 when this happened. Now, my dad insisted that if she was going to hold down a job, she still had to do all her chores when she got home. Cooking, cleaning, laundry, etc. I can't remember what exactly prompted the argument about her chores, but something didn't get done that he expected and demanded that she do. He informed her that she would tell her boss that she was quitting when she went back to work the next day. Before he left for work the next day, he reminded her that she was to tell her boss that she was quitting. Cue of malicious compliance. I loved my mom. She went to work that morning, stopped at her boss's office, and said these exact words. My husband said to tell you that I was quitting, and then moseyed on to her classroom. A few minutes later, her very puzzled boss popped in and asked her if she was serious. She said, no, but my husband told me to tell you I was quitting, so I did. And no, she didn't quit her job until she was good and ready, several years later. Honestly, props to them for dealing with that kind of a situation, and then when being practically forced to do something, they comply with it in a malicious way, but in reality, they just keep on trucking. Our next story is by GRF McElroy. It needs to be mine, so delete your work. I used to work as an office manager, but had to do a lot of extra tasks as well. One of those was managing inventory for the finance team. I compiled and organized everything, and they used it for insurance and other purposes. When I got hired on, I had to make the tracking method for all of the company's tech and assets from scratch. I was a little curious how it had been done in the years past, so I finally got my boss, who was not new to the company but relatively new to this position, to explain. He and a few coworkers took me out to a bar, had a few, and told me the story of Greg's blaze of glory. The person who used to have my position, we'll call him Greg, came from a data analytics background and was a huge overachiever. His boss, we'll call her Karen, was a horrible manager. Awful with tech, notorious for pushing people too hard because people only do good work when their job's on the line. And she got a promotion every few years by taking credit for her tortured underling's work. She was head of a few departments, but technically head of building services as well, which really just meant Greg. One year, Greg decides to go overboard on the inventory. The company was working with aging laptops that were largely purchased ad hoc rather than large batches, so there was a mix of models and years. 
No one except VIPs got new laptops, so he decided that he would make finance get new laptops for everyone. When doing the inventory, he added a bunch of helpful but previously unnecessary information. Things like warranty expiration dates, almost all were expired, average lifespan for models based on reviews, etc. He sent us the finance as part of the standard package, hoping they would see all of the coming catastrophes of old cheap laptops dying. They loved the info and set up a meeting between finance, IT, some of the VPs, and building services to talk about this. The assumption was that IT wouldn't want to buy new ones, so they asked his department to pitch how bad the current state was. This is when Karen's awfulness kicked in. She saw this as a big project that she could lead in order to make herself look better with the entire staff, giving her an edge in competition for a then-empty VP position. She told Greg to make the presentation, but added a ton of things to make it harder. Draft staff surveys to gauge interest in different brands, present in-depth info on the best new alternative laptops, start doing pricing estimates, contact local stores to see if they would buy old ones, etc. A ton of extra work. And the meeting was in a week. The problem, though, was what she told Greg next. I'm paraphrasing. Again, this part came from a coworker that talked to a drunk Greg a month later. Karen told him to remove any evidence of his work because she was going to present and take credit for it all, and implied that she would try to get him a promotion once he was promoted. He was furious. So then it became, if this looks like you did it, I will fire you. Cue malicious compliance. Greg did everything she asked, working his butt off to make this thing perfect. He made a killer presentation, made some extra documents for the more in-depth data on the current inventory and possible alternatives, even looked up graphic design concepts to polish off the whole thing. She skimmed it to make sure it looked good, but never actually read it. Finally, the day comes. Greg hands her a flash drive with a presentation without a word. Karen walks into the room with all of the senior level executives, confident and ready to wow them. She plugs in her laptop, opens the file, and discovers that it isn't her presentation. In fact, it's just 100 plain white slides with a poem on them. Ozymandias by Percy Bysshe Shelley. A poem about a cruel ruler in ancient Egypt who built a name for themselves by creating great works through the suffering and labor of others. A poem about how all of those works have since been obliterated by time and that all that remained of the ruler's legacy was their narcissism and their cruelty. Every supporting document was the same thing, just the poem in Excel, Word, etc. Greg deleted everything he had worked on for this project, and every form of storage. He also resigned as the presentation was set to begin by emailing Karen, HR, and all of the VPs. Karen tried to say she was hacked, but apparently a few people in the meeting came to his defense. He had consulted with them on parts and told them about how she had said to remove evidence of his work. She was fired on the spot. Greg went out a legend, a few employees still buying him free drinks whenever they run into him. My manager got moved to her position and I was hired on a few months later. If you were working for somebody that so brazenly wanted to take all of your work and present it as their own, would you be willing to put your job on the line and sabotage them in front of their bosses? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is by Akoto1. My mom carried around a resignation letter. Ever since my sister and I went to kindergarten, my mom worked at a nursing home. She was an RN. After 20 years, both mom and dad moved, downsizing. 
but my mom is a real hard worker and wasn't ready to quit yet. So she got a job at a nursing home, getting less than her credentials and experience warranted, but she wanted to help people. They were often short-staffed, so many times she'd be helping someone transition a patient from bed to bed, be finishing up the medicine paperwork, etc. So she was averaging about 45 hours a week. Management told her that she needed to keep to 40. She kept on doing her work the way she was before. They called her in. She said, Do you want me to drop the patient and dash out the door, not finish the legally required medicine records? She offered to be switched to salary, and she'd have no time getting paid the same as a 40-hour work week even if she ended up doing 50 hours. They said no, the position was hourly and that was that. Then she got in trouble a third time. She was told that she just needed to manage her time better, to never get involved with moving patients in the last hour of her shift, not help anyone who needed it while working the medical logs until done. This was the how to deal with this problem they put on her official written reprimand number one. Mom was very upset by this. It just wasn't practical due to staffing issues. She was being called in to do things because other people were adhering to the 40-hour only rule. But it was a case of, this patient needs three people to move safely, it was my mom and two other people on nights. Because two could in theory handle everything, but in reality only about 75%. So it was move the patient now and then go home, or patient stays in bed for 8 more hours, risks getting bed sores, or just the sheer number of things undone meant that the night crew wouldn't get them done, etc. So they called my mom in for official written reprimand number 2. My mom said, don't bother, and pulled out a letter of resignation. She told them that morally she could not do the actions they were asking her, as she felt responsible for her patients. They could fire her, or they could offer her a salary, or they could just let it continue. But if they were going to expect her to abandon her patients to substandard care, she was going to resign. More than happy to give them two weeks, more than happy to quit today. The HR person was quite taken aback, and hurried to make some phone calls. The leadership came back in and took away the written reprimand, and said it wouldn't be a problem if she was a bit over 40 every week. My mom said, Okay, but just so you know, in case you change your mind, I'll be keeping this resignation letter in my purse. You gotta love when somebody is in such a necessary position and they still decide to discipline them for doing good work. I love that OP's mom was literally like, you guys need me and if you're going to give me crap for doing a good job here, I got nothing to lose. Make me leave. Watch them scramble to take it all back and apologize. Please don't leave. And our final story of the day is by Tachi Queen. Non-flexible break time? I mean, if you insist. I posted recently about my hot pink duct tape shoe saga, and I thought of another much dirtier and less fabulous debacle that I should share here. This particular issue predates my election as union president, but most of the supervisors remain the same. To recap, many years ago, I worked for a very large company with a fairly powerful union. I was serving as a griever, read complaint department for the union at the time, though that's not a huge part of this tale. I was, at this point, working in a part of the campus that was exceptionally dirty at all times. Part of my daily tasks was to walk around looking for giant piles of carbon dust dumped by machinery and to shovel it in barrels and dispose of it. These piles of carbon were safety concerns because carbon dust is highly flammable and obviously the goal was to minimize the amount of loose carbon dust floating around, so I needed to remove it as soon as I was aware of its presence. 
Not an easy job, but I was super into fitness at the time, and I kind of enjoyed the physical part of the job. Now, given the environment, when I was on shoveling patrol, I'd be in full head-to-toe PPE. So Tyvek, gloves, respirator, safety glasses, a pain in the butt to put on and take off. In general, once I started a job, I'd prefer to finish it rather than removing my PPE for 15 minutes just to fully get suited back up and go back. So this fateful day, I was cleaning up a particularly obnoxious and large pile of carbon. My watch buzzed, alerting me that it was break time, but I figured I had 15 to 20 minutes left to work. And it would be a huge waste to strip down just to suit back up in new gear for another 15 to 20 minutes. Naturally, I opted to finish the task. About 30 minutes later, I was done, out of my safety gear, and washed up to sit down for a 15 minute break in an air conditioned break room. Absolute bliss. Then as luck would have it, no more than 2 minutes later, as I'm minding my own business eating string cheese. One of the supervisors walked in and asked why the heck I was in the break room off of break time. I told her about the carbon spill and how it didn't make sense to leave the job unfinished and waste equipment when I could just finish the job in one go. We also generally prioritized cleaning up potential safety hazards in a timely manner. I was being told that I was being written up for not taking my break at the correct time and that I was forfeiting that break by missing it. I told the supervisor she couldn't legally take my break time due to her deciding to change the policy, so she graciously allowed me to finish my remaining 10 minutes. I couldn't really fight the write-up because technically we did have set break times, and the practice of moving break times was unique to the particular building I was working in due to emergency safety hazards requiring attention. This building was close to a century old. Sometimes there were floods, carbon dumps, oil spills, etc. The catastrophic issues like that were our domain, and was informal, so we never had a written agreement allowing us to move breaks as needed for urgent jobs. So shortly after, the five to six of us working in the building were all called together and informed that under no circumstances could we take our breaks outside of set times. In case of emergency, we required verbal permission from a supervisor to do so. Famous last words. As you can probably predict, a few weeks later, all five employees from my department present were called for an emergency removal of a combined oil and carbon spill. This is a very heavy, very dirty, and fairly dangerous work. The entire factory had to stop production until we got this cleaned up. The plant manager was actually shoveling alongside of us, trying to move everything along faster. 30 minutes later, I realize it's less than 15 minutes before we have to go on lunch. I mention this to my coworkers, to which we all grumble. I explain to the plant manager that we've been told that we cannot work over our lunch break without permission, or risk write-ups, so I was going to make a call to get permission. I called every supervisor we had in those 15 minutes. Not a single one answered. Apparently they'd all gone to lunch together and didn't want to be bothered. I came back in and told the crew I couldn't reach anyone. They all tried calling as well, and nothing. The plant manager called our supervisors. They didn't even pick up for him. So we apologized to the plant manager, and we went on lunch, leaving the plant down for an additional half hour. By the time we'd come back from lunch, we'd still been unable to reach any member of supervision. We finished the job, cleaned up, 
and went back to our usual tasks as production started back up. Apparently the plant manager did eventually get hold of supervision because they showed up furious at us for going on our lunch. Up until I reminded them that they'd already written me up for moving a break without consent previously. Apparently the plant manager and head of manufacturing absolutely tore into them for not answering any calls for over 60 minutes and causing production to halt. They quickly decided that they would no longer be enforcing that rule and gave us discretion on when and how is best to take our breaks after that. Not quite as fabulous as the hot pink duct tape, but it was pretty darn enjoyable. I just feel like if your worker is willing to put in the work, make sure a near crisis type situation gets fixed first and then take their break after that, saving you money and time on production, feels like a no brainer but they had to figure that out the hard way. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.